Amen. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Golly. Man, yeah, give him a hand. Man, this is a great day. You know, as, as I was here, there's going to be a day that we draw, every one of us in this room draws our last breath. And when that comes, we will stand before God. And you know, we'll be before the great I am. And you know what? In that moment, I think we're going to be like, whoa, Lord. Whoa. The, the, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, we're going to see for the experience up close and personal for the first time, the holiness of God. And I think in that moment, we are going to be like, whoa. The Bible says all, all, our righteous acts, all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And we're going to get it in that moment. We're, we're going to get it in that moment that, whoa, you became sin for us. We're going to get the sacrifice in that moment. Man, thank you. I want to say thank you to our church. Last week, we, we started this compassion. We've been praying this for three years, praying about compassion for three years. And in that moment last week, we were like, Lord, maybe in the, maybe in the month we can, get, we can see 180 kids that we could wrap our arms around and our heart around. And, and uh, maybe in a month we can, we can get that done. Before the end of the day, before the end of the morning, every one of those kids were sponsored. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and you know what's funny? It's kind of funny because uh, we were running out here and we said, hey, we sent like 20 to Calvary. Let's go down to Calvary and get those 20. And the Calvary people were like, no, you can't have them. We got them. And they got them all at Calvary. It was, so, it was just so super cool. Thank you. You know, we're learning as a church how to grow up uh, in our finances. And we're learning this, the blessing of, of giving generously because we're learning that none of us will ever be able to outgive God. We're learning the blessing of saving wisely and then living appropriately. And this is a prayer that we are, we are in pursuit of. This is a goal. This is a challenge. This is a push that we are working to push one another together. And I want to I want to thank you. You know, this morning, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. And over the past several months, uh, oh, oh yeah, I forgot, I keep forgetting. That baptism video, was that like amazing? Uh, that's a, that was amazing. Um, that, was, that was awesome. Um, um, but we're in this series, we've been in this doctrinal series over the last several months uh, on the church, and we're calling it to gather in a changing world. And here we are in this moment where we have a lot of people still online, and we're glad that you're joining us, and we're in this kind of weird um, health deal going on in our country where it's just a, there's a real virus in the world, and we're trying to figure out and navigate these waters, and, and, but yet God still calls us to gather, 
And, and even in spite of a changing world, we are called to gather in a changing world. And, and, and you know, this series is important because um, God's word speak, God's word speaks to the hows and the whys of our gathering. It speaks to this. And, and we're to turn our face to it. And, and I'm thankful that God's word is timeless. And, and here's what we know about the word of God and about the church and about what God is doing. It, that is that at every time in the history of the world, God's church advanced. R- right now, in every political environment in the history, in, in the world right now, whether it's communist China or whether it's Iran or whether it's a dictator in Korea or, or, you, or a, a democracy that we're living in, the church is advancing. And this is beautiful and it's incredible to, to sit down and think about how nothing stops the church. And that's what we're a part of. And we need to understand that. We need to embrace that. There's a reason Jesus traveled to that, that plot of ground at Caesarea Philippi. That plot of ground in, on the planet was known as the gates of hell. And it was a terrible place. It, when you think about the spiritual battle that took place at Caesarea Philippi, it's, it's amazing. It's shocking. If we were able to put on spiritual gra- glasses and, and just observe the spiritual warfare going on in that p- plot of ground, it would flip us out. But yet Jesus goes there, and what does he do? He gets his small band of disciples together, and he says, hey, boys, guess what? Peter, I'm going to build my church, and I, want, I just want to say out loud in this spot that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, and that's what he did. He, he started the church. And now here's the church continuing and moving and rolling. And, and here we are in a changing world. And we've got to figure out what gathering means, what it looks like. And I'll tell you, 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 through 12 speaks to this. So if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn there. 1 Peter 2, and would you stand with me as we read God's word today? And allow me to put on my glasses because that's the world I'm in right now. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now Peter writes this, and and Peter uh, is, is an interesting disciple. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. I mean, think about that. He got to be the closest friend of Jesus on the planet. 
Um, he, I like Peter because he was one of these kind of guys that, that basically was, hey, let's just jump into it and we'll figure it out along the way kind of guy. He was like, we're just going to go for it. And then that was Peter. And, and he was off, often running his mouth off. He was, he was a strong leader. He was kind of one of those guys that I think as, hey, I got plenty of friends and if I offend you, I'm good with that. I mean, that's kind of like Peter was. And, um, and Peter was um, also a man that his failures helped him understand the incredible mercy of God. Do you remember Peter in that upper room? Jesus is doing the Passover, and, and Peter brashly says, Jesus, I'm never going to leave you. And Jesus looked him in the eye and said, Peter, hey, guess what, big boy? T tonight before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter going, what? What? And then as, this, as it unfolded, as that moment unfolded, that important moment, Peter and Jesus go to the, go to the garden, and, and Peter fell asleep as he was praying. As Jesus was praying in this hour of need, he fell asleep. And, and, and remember, then the, those guards came up, and Peter Man, two Peter's character jumps up, pulls out his sword, and is like, come on, you want to you take Jesus over my body? Let's go. And, and cuts off Malchus's ear. And remember that moment? What a crazy moment. Peter boldly standing on Jesus. I will defend you. But then he runs. And then hours later, a little bitty girl, you're... You, you're one of those guys. No, no. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Three times. Peter denies Christ. The rooster crows. And man. Then he watches him die. He watched him die. I can imagine the devastation of Peter as he the tomb was empty and he doesn't understand and they, they gather together with the disciples in that, in that locked door, in that, in that place and all of a sudden they're fearful of their lives. They're fearful of what's going to happen. How, how could this be? I mean, we saw the miracles, fellas. We, we saw this. We, we witnessed these things. He, he, he's, from, he's God, but, but what happened? He, he's gone. And then boom, through that locked door. Jesus shows up. And, and, and Peter looked at Jesus and, and the resurrected Christ going, you're, you're alive. And the power of that moment, the power of the resurrection is enough to go, oh my goodness, you, my life has changed. But, but, but I think it was the power of that moment combined with the amazing statement that Jesus said to Peter. Remember what he said? Peter, peace to you. And in the midst of that re rebellion, in the midst of that failure, what does Jesus do? He meets him and says, Peter, I forgive you. And it's the forgiveness of Christ that completely transformed his life. It's the mercy of God that completely transformed his life. And Peter, of course, never got over that. And we, we understand that because if you know your failures, if you're honest about your life, you're like, yeah, me too. Man, I can relate to that because I've messed up too. I've stumbled too. I've failed as well. And we get that. And the mercy of God 
It's amazing. When I think about Peter and the journey of his life, he, 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 he writes this book, and then and First Peter is, is a book to the church, and, and he starts in chapter 1, and, and I'll just mention it, that, that he's writing to, to, to the, 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 the church that's scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. The, these, these people of God who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, the fact that, that Jesus would say, oh, he would choose us, he would save us. It just blows our mind to even think about that. And then he starts in verse 9 of chapter 2. Look at it. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you, he says to the church, you are a chosen people. I mean, I mean, what does it say? Oh, we, point number one, if you're following along as a church, we've got to understand this. The, the church describes a distinct people that we are a distinct people. And this is why we've got to fix this. We've got to understand this, that, that God has called us to be the church. And, and, and when I think about our calling together, we've got to recognize that God has moved us together and, and, and come together and serve together in a specific location. That's what the church is. It's God's people together in a specific locality with a specific purpose, uh, serving an intentional, a specific people. And when I think about our calling, we've got to recognize that we've been chosen. And that's what Peter helps us understand. Now let's think about that for a little bit. Let's consider this. Henry Nouwen says this, when we claim and constantly reclaim the truth of being chosen, we soon discover within ourselves a deep desire to reveal to others their own chosenness. Now, now, now sometimes when Christians start talking about the chosenness of God, we get a little cocky. We're like, that's right, I'm chosen. And hey man, all you other people, you ain't chosen. And, but, but that's not when the Bible speaks about our chosenness. If I can, I think that's a made up word. My spell checker kept giving it a red underline. So that may not be a real word. I don't know. Uh, I didn't look too much further. I just ignored it. But, but, but you know, when, when we, when the Bible speaks of our chosenness, you know, every time in scripture that the chosenness is mentioned, it's, it's spoken in the context that believers should sit down and go, wow. Wow. It, it should move us to this. Wow. It's like I heard Alistair Begg say this. It was a really funny, and I'm just totally going to steal it today. Um, but he said, you know that Bill Gaither song that said, I'm so glad I'm the part of the family of God. You know that song? I've been washed in the fountain. Okay, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm more of a rapper, not a singer, so I won't sing. But, but, but you know, he said, really, we should change the, name, the, the words of that song. He goes, I don't, we don't even sing it anymore. I, I've outlawed that song. Because the words should be changed to, I'm surprised I'm a part of the family of God. And then you should do the second verse, I'm surprised you're a part of the family. You know, you know because it should surprise us. And in the chosenness of, of the scriptures, that it should make us go, oh my goodness, we have been chosen. You know, and, you know, instead of making us feel that we're better, more precious, or more valuable than others, our awareness of being chosen 
opens our eyes to the chosenness of others. And I think this is so important. Peter writes, you are a chosen people. And then look what he says next. You're a royal priesthood. Okay, I don't know about you, but I walk around and uh, there's never been a time in my life I've walked into a building going, I'm royalty. I'm royalty here. Never. I walk around going, I feel like normal, like totally normal. And, and, but God says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. How do we even understand that? Well, you got to look back at verse 5 in chapter 2. When he says in, in verse 5 that, that you also, he says, you also like living stones. He, Peter calls the church, you're living stones in verse 5. You like living stones are being built into a spiritual house, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see, what, what is the, the royalness of our, of our lives? We are, we are coming to the, the king of all kings, and, and we, as, we, we as a church, the church is like a living stone, that Peter calls us. That, that we, right here in Owasso and, and, and at Calvary, we are at least, our responsibility is to be two living stones in a city, in a community that is obvious. We are here. And we are living, and we are serving, and we are working, and we are a royal priesthood. He also goes on, you're a holy people. Holy people. I guarantee you when we stand before the Lord on that day, we're, we're not going to be confident in our own holiness. We're not going to stand and go, look what I did, God. No, we're going to stand and go, whoa. Whoa, I, I worship you. Now, we are a We get to be a holy people. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that you could have this term, you could have this reality called righteousness. And I think it's going to blow our minds when we stand before the Lord and we're all going to go, I get to be righteous because of Jesus and what he did. We are, but you are a chosen people. He says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Look at what he says, a people belonging to God. That you and I, we get to be a people that belong to God. That as the church, we together are a people that belong to God. And, and this should be evidence. We're like a living stone. It should be obvious that we belong to God. And it breaks my heart. It breaks the heart of God when I live in such a way that it's not recognizable that I belong to God. And you know what? It's, the church is called to do this. Think about it. Let's hear this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. 
So the chosenness that we understand, it moves us to, to declare, to, to let the world know, oh, I got to tell you about, I got to praise the one who called me out of darkness and into the light. And, and what happens when that, I mean, darkness, I mean, I got up really early this morning and I, I took my dog out on the, on the back porch and it was, in, it was dark and no one could see. But, but when the light comes on, you can see. This is what happens when we come to the Lord and, 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 and we, we're at first in darkness, but then we come into the light. And when we come into the light, we recognize, oh man, there's some stuff that I got to change. There's some, well, I got some things I got to work on. And because in the darkness, I can't see them, but in the light, I go, whoa, 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 I got to fix that. And see, he calls us out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We're called to declare the praises of him. Now, now point number two is some, something I got, we've got to embrace. We've got to understand why the church is together, why we gather, why we come together, why we push one another, why we, we challenge one another, why we know one another. Is the church is the message deliverer street by street. That we're to be the chosen one saying, hey, I want you to know that the chosenness is open to you. And here's the reality of our, of our chosenness, that, that just like when we heard the chosen, the, the call, that, that, that if you come to him, he will not turn you away. And you know that's for you too. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you come to him, he won't turn you away. And me as a, as a chosen son of God, it moves me to look and see the chosenness. The door of chosenness is open. And I pray, look at this, 1 Peter 2.10. Look at this verse. First Peter 2.10 is one of the most magnificent verses in the scripture. It, it, it just proclaims our testimony. And, and I hope that you have had a First Peter 2.10 moment, that you can look back at your life and say, I've had one of those moments, First Peter 2.10, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You see, once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. You see, that, that's my story. Uh, can you look to a moment in your life where once uh, you were not a people of God, but then Jesus saved you and you became a people of God? Can you look at your life and say, you know, once I had not received mercy, but then I have, now I have received mercy. You know, I, I, I put this in my office. I have this in my office. I love this. I love this. Let me tell you what it says. It says, this is to certify that Chris Wall made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ on June 17th, 1979. Great year, 1979. Upon profession of his faith was baptized by me, not me, him, on June 17th, 1979, was received on June 17th, 1979 in the fellowship of South Lindsay Baptist Church located at 3300 South Lindsay Avenue. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Paul Salier, pastor. 
Now, now, honestly, I was saved a little bit before June 17th, and, but, but that was the day I was baptized. I, but, but a little few days before that, I went upstairs to my mom's room, and I said, Mom, I'm struggling. I, man, I don't know what's going on, but something's not right in my life. And, and my mom sat down and said, Chris, you know, you're a good boy, but you know what? You're lost, and you need a Savior and see, you can't save yourself, Chris. It's not about growing up in church and, and doing all these things that are good. And it's about, you need, you need a savior, Chris. And, and she opened the Bible and it said, look at what Jesus did. He went to the cross for you. And for me, in that time in my life, next to my mom, uh, I was not a people, but then I became the people of God. I, I, in that moment, I had not received mercy, but then I did. Receive mercy. And it's, it was my first Peter 2.10 moment. You see, from our human perspective, that's where salvation starts. And I pray that you come to see your first Peter 2.10 moment. And maybe that moment's today. You know, in that moment, as, a, as an eight-year-old boy, I didn't understand everything. But, but what I did get, and, and I, 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 now looking back as a, with older eyes, I recognized that God brought me into the light. And as I came into the light, I recognized some things that are really important, and I just want to throw three of them at you. I recognize the, the power of the church helping me understand how to interact with Christ on a daily basis. And you realize what's happening here today. We're not, we're not checking off a religious box today. We're, we're not like uh, going through some religious motion today. No, we have come before the great I am today to worship him, to, to come before the king of all kings. And, and as we come to him and as we sit with him, as we open up his word, we all sit at the feet of the Savior. Even me. I'm not talking at you today. I'm talking with you. And what we're doing is God is using his word to speak to all of us in this moment, that God is interacting with us. And what I don't want you to miss as you recognize God's work in your life, that, that our call is to interact with the Savior on a daily basis. And you and me, we can interact with him. The great I am. I'll tell you what, I don't want the first time that I really stand in awe of the holiness of God to be the moment that I see him face to face. I want to do it now. I want to do it today. I want to stand before the great I am and sing praises today. Loud. And see, this is what the church is called to do. We come together and, and we learn how to interact with the Lord on a daily basis. And, and, and as we do that, here's lots of things take place. We grow up in our faith. See, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, once you are not a people but now you're the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received 
mercy. And Peter writes, dear friends, I urge you. And then I can see the Lord using his word right now to look at us in the eye going, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. That's who we are. We're aliens and strangers in the world. People look at us and go, you guys, I don't understand. You come together and you sing songs uh, about someone that you can't see and you take this bread and this juice and you drink it and you eat it and you go, yeah, this is my body. What? Okay, what? And you get together and you walk, you look at one another and say, hey, you know, you got to stop doing that. And you're like, that's kind of mean. Why are you telling people to stop doing stuff? Because... That's what we're called to do. We're supposed to be in each other's lives and confronting one another and helping one another and pushing one another and lifting each other up. I can tell many times, I, we do a funeral here and we have this group of ladies in our church that they'll cook a meal for however many people it takes. And people go, why do you, why do, you do that? Well, we serve one another. We bear one another's burdens. And and you see, dear friends, I urge you, Peter writes, as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. And he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, now, as I came to Christ and as I walked with the Lord, I learned the value of interacting with the Lord daily. I also, I also was confronted in my life about, man, I need to know my name. Do you know your name? Here's what I mean by that. What does your name mean? I'm not talking about my name's Christian, it means, or Christopher, it means Christian. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when your name is mentioned, what comes to mind, what comes to the mind of the people that know you? You see, as I understand the church to be, we're to pay attention to what our name means. I mean, Proverbs 22.1 says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. You see, we got to pay attention to how we live. And that's why Peter writes, look, you've been chosen by God. Now, Pay attention. Pay attention. I I urge you, as strangers in the world, pay attention. Live live your lives as he talks about. Live as strangers here, he says in 1 Peter 2. But, But here's the reality. The lost world is looking at us, and it's a weird time to serve the Lord. It's interesting. Because you know what? We are at a time where everything's online. A, a completely lost world that doesn't understand what we do can look, they could look into us right now. They could look at us. And you know, one of the things we've got to not forget is that the lost world sees us. 
And we need to pay attention to how we live. But we also, when I think about the value when I came to Christ, I not only learned to interact with God, I not only learned to look at my reputation, but, but, but I also recognize the power of staying connected to one another, connected to people. Do you know that we're supposed to be connected to people? And we live in this day and age where, where it's a consumerism with church that if, if, if I, as your pastor, make you mad, you'll just go down the street. But, but that's not how we're supposed to roll. We're supposed to work things out. We're supposed to confront one another. We're supposed to stay connected to one another even when, it's, even when we make each other mad. Even when we frustrate one another, because let me tell you something, that's life. And see, we're to work things out. We're to come together. We're to stay connected. And, and when I, you know, you know the scripture speaks to 60, over 60 references to one another's in scripture. Do you know there's over 60 of them? If you have the app, I put, I put a whole list of them of one another's in the script, in, 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 that are in the scriptures, that we're to be with one another. That's what the church is. And, and, and as I think about how the, God moved me to evaluate my witness, my calling to, uh, to flesh out my chosenness in the world, and, and, I, and I can't get over this fact that, that every time I evaluate my chosenness, I, I'm looking at the, I'm amazed that God would choose me. And I, and I can't help but, but say to a world, hey, let me declare the praises of, of Christ. Let me show you what he did on the cross because if you come to him, he won't turn you away either. And there's this super huge movement of God that's beyond my understanding, but yet I get to know that God chose me. And at this moment in history, it's called the days of grace. And he tells us, for, we sang it, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And my prayer for us is that we come together and help one another. Folks, the church is supposed to be together. When I think about this beautiful, description of the church called to the world. I mean, Peter's writing to the people that are scattered throughout all these places. And, and, they're, and it's difficult. It's, 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 it's challenging. They're facing persecution and struggle, and, 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 and it's hard. There's Christians in, that Peter's writing to. They're dying for their faith. And this is one of those things that flies in the face of our, of our American Christianity because we don't, we, we kind of think that, oh, if God, if you follow Jesus, you're going to always be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. And there's nothing of that in the scriptures. 
You know, when you think about following Christ, think about it. John the Baptist was right in the middle of God's will. And as he was in the middle of God's will, what happened to him? He got his head cut off. Think about, um, did I already already mention um, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in the service? Did I mention him? Good. You know, when you preach twice, you forget. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You know him? Man, he was a pastor during World War II and he was captured by the Nazis. You know what's crazy to me is you, his biography is an incredible read by Eric Metaxas and, and, and it tells about Dietrich Bonhoeffer was, was this writer and this pastor and I've read tons of his stuff and, and, and here he was, uh, he was about to be he was in Nazi, a Nazi concentration camp, and the American forces, their bombs can be heard in the background. The Germans know they are losing, and what do they do? Literally a day before they were, a few days before they were defeated, they bring Dietrich Bonhoeffer to a courtyard and hang him and kill him. And I thought to myself, Lord, wow, man, what, what happened God said he was in my will, right in the middle of my will. Folks, Peter's writing to these people facing persecution, and he lets the church know, look, you've got to come together. This is why the scriptures are filled with these one another's. That This is why we can't have a consumer mentality when it comes to church. This is why we've got to come to this place and know one another and be known. And when I think about how the, the scriptures leads us to act, like one of, a couple of the one another's, he says, be devoted to one another with brotherly love, like Romans 12, 10 says, and that's an interesting statement because I have a big brother and, and uh, my brother and I fight sometimes. We actually got in an argument the other day over missions and here we are on the phone griping at each other about mission strategy. And, and you know, it's funny because he's a missions pastor in, in Edmond and, and, and you know, as Mike and I were arguing with one another, we can do that. But, but I'll tell you, if someone else argues with me or if someone argues with him, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, that's my brother. What are you doing? I can call my brother a jerk, but nobody else better call my brother a jerk, right? And we're to love one another with brotherly love. Another, we're to instruct one another. As a church, we are to instruct one another. We're to teach one another. Like Romans 15, 14 says, we are to serve one another in love. Like Galatians 5, 13 says, we're to carry one another's burdens. Like Galatians 6, 2 says, we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's hard, isn't it? To submit to one another. We are to admonish one another. We are to get, that, that, what that means, we are to get in one another's grill. And that's what that means. That it should be common for us that if I start to walk away from the Lord, that someone in this church gets in my way and says, what are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. You know better than this. And if you are at a church where that never happens to you, then maybe if in this church that's not happening to you, it's not because we're not trying. Let's get together. Let's be the church. Let's gather. 
We're to build one another up. And it's interesting, even as I think about parenting my kids, build, I mean, because you're like, okay, Chris, you just talked about confronting one another, but then building each other up. What's that about? Well, haven't you found that, like I found in my parenting, that when I confront my children or my wife confronts me, that's probably better. Let me do it there. That happened last week. My wife confronted me. And she admonished me and said, Chris, why are you doing that? You need to stop doing that. And I was like, well, that didn't feel very good. But she was right. And, and guess what that did, though, for me? It built me up. It was for my good. We're to confess our sins to one another, like James 5.16 says. That we're to know one another's sins. Now, you don't have to wear a T-shirt about it, but look, there are people that know my sins. And, and one of the things I, maybe to a fault, I don't know, but, but I feel like it's important for, for me to, rec- for you to recognize I, am a, I fail. And that's important. We offer we're to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Isn't that interesting that First Peter 4, 9 says, hey, offer hospitality. And I think I'll just go ahead and add without grumbling. Why? Because he knows us. How many times do we like, okay, I got to hook him here. Here, I'll take you. You know, we, we should do this without grumbling. Folks, Look. God has called us to be the church. We are not a business. We are not a social club. We are a body called to be a living stone in this place. Of that, that, a living, like if it's a living stone, that means when storms come, it ain't moving. That stone's sticking right there. And we're a living stone. And so let's hear this. Let's recognize this. Let's embrace the beauty and the challenge and the call of God's word about the church in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you and I may declare his praises, the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Look, once we were not a people, but now we're the people of God. Once we haven't received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And let me tell you something you can count on. There will be a day that he visits us. And I want you to be ready. And I want us to be ready as believers 
in Christ. I, want, I pray we as his body planted in this place at this time that we are right in the middle of God's will, pushing one another to obedience. If you're here and you're like, you know what, I've never been saved. Maybe this is your first Peter 2.10 moment. And just like what happened to every believer in this room, when we came to him, he didn't turn us away. And he won't do that to you either. Oh, come to Jesus. Lord, I thank you for, for moving Peter, inspiring him to pen these words. Father, the miracle of that whole interaction is just fascinating and beyond complete understanding. The miracle of our chosenness is fascinating. The miracle of our redemption and our forgiveness. Lord, may we declare those praises all of our days. May we abstain from these desires that are warring against us. May your Holy Spirit move us in this moment. Father, I confess to you, many of us are, are comfortable just being at home or, at, or coasting through life. We're stuck in inconsistency and disobedience. We're stuck in arrogance and Pharisaism. Father, may we just be men and women who are, who are so grateful for forgiveness that we can't stop proclaiming the gospel message. Oh, Lord, move us today. Break our hearts today. Get us out of our religion today. Help us build this church like you want it built. Move us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.